Oh, what's your title, Jake? <laughs> Just every uh, time he talks. Sergeant of the Mon. Sergeant Fort Police Department Narcotics Unit. Yeah. I think. Yep. I think you turn them on during the intro. So okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Welcome back to Fortitude, folks. I'm JW with my host, co-host Brenton Payne, and um, we are we can be found on Fortitude FW on social media. Uh, welcome to the show, uh, Brenton. I've looked across the desk today. I noticed something very interesting about you. What is going on with your upper lip? I got all these sound effects going because I got all my cop stuff going. <laughs> I was looking for the right sound effect for it. There we go. So uh, this is not a caterpillar that crawled off the microphone onto my face. I did this in honor of my friend to the right of us, who is our special guest here today. I don't even know if it's called officer or sergeant. Or sergeant. Jake sergeant White. Jake White, Fourth Police Department, Narcotics Unit. And we've been yes. watching Narcos on Netflix. There it is. Who Jake introduced me to the show and told me I got to watch and know all the history of, and so that's where the the stash comes from. He kind of fits the part, doesn't he, Jake? What he do you does. think? He does. Wait, well done. I'm going to turn the lights off. Only when Jake talks, I'm going to turn them well, on. Jake, we welcome you to the show. We both are friends with you. You know Brenton longer, but we yeah. think the world of you and what you do for a living. You're a great dude. Thank you for joining us today. We're honored to have you in our presence. Awesome. So. Thanks. Glad to be here. All right, so great. Let's, let's talk some drugs. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's narcotics. Do it. <laughs> let's uh, do it. How big is the narcotics problem in this city? So, you know, to, to, to say it's big, bad, it's hard to say. I mean, right, we're the 12th largest city in the U.S. Um, I think that given all the factors of everything going on in the world right now, I think that we do a pretty good job of addressing it. Um, you know, there's always new trends that we have to keep up with or catch up to. Um, overall, I think we do a pretty good job of quelling it, if you will. I mean, there's you know, it's not a problem that's going to go away. So how many uh, officers, excuse me, how many officers are on the narcotics unit? So we've got, um, we've got a handful. I'll leave it at that. We've got yeah, a fair uh, enough. Yeah. We got a, do we need to blur? Oh, okay. Is that how many? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, of how, of, let's say a hundred people move here, uh, whatever the status a day, a month or something. How many of those are bad guys? Ooh, I, out of a hundred, I would, I, I would one out of a thousand, maybe. Right? Okay. I mean, All right. you know, maybe we have a lot of homegrown ones here that are just that are here. That you, I mean, that's part of the job, right? Is that you're pretty familiar with, yeah, these so, folks and their trends and yeah, things like so that and how they work. I think drug, you know, especially now where we're at in in society, where we're at in the world, it is it is kind of that homegrown thing, and it's kind of the sad element, though, right? Because you have you're dealing typically now with you know guys that are. 25 35 45 that grew up around it right yeah. that's the life they knew that's yeah, yeah, how yeah. you know what they grew up knowing so yeah, i mean there's a fair share that are definitely from here so in today's paper uh, star telegram there is an article detailing from may 2020 to april 2021 there have been over 100,000 overdose o- overdose deaths in america a 30% increase from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, what the heck is going on in the world? Why are drugs? Is it pandemic related to some extent? But what's causing all this? So I think there's kind of a multitude of uh, factors that are, are contributing to that. I think the pandemic may have some element to it. I, I, from a research perspective, I don't know how I would correlate the pandemic to overdose deaths, right? But I do think that there clearly is some kind of correlation there. But I think more significantly what's going on is the issue that we have with fentanyl, right? That's a incredibly toxic, incredibly lethal drug that is relatively new to us here, to, especially to Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people, you know, sadly, it's it's one of those things where it, it takes what they, they consider, I believe, two milligrams a lethal dose, right? So a very small quantity and it's lights out, unfortunately. So. There's the whole Narcan thing where mm-hmm. they, you guys travel. What, I mean, are you going into places? Or do they cook fentanyl? Like, how is it? Like, like, what, how does that whole thing work where you'd go in and need the Narcan? If somebody, they don't force you to take it or something, how, do, how does it get in your system? So, basically, how the Narcan works is, um, and I've never administered it. Mm-hmm. Thank God I've never had to have it administered. I mean, cops throughout the, um, 
throughout the country have, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you inhale some of the fentanyl, then then that's the counter to it, basically. But it's basically a, like a nasal spray is what it is. Yeah. So it combats that opioid that's in your body that um, turns off the receptors, maybe. I don't know how to phrase it. But about- it's like if you have it in a powder form that you guys would find it and then inhale it, that's what the fear is. Like you could just get Correct. high like that or yeah. almost to a lethal dose. Yeah, for for the officer, for the investigator in a powdered form, that would be the concern. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fentanyl's a fairly new drug in the in the world, in the market. It's overtaken heroin recently, in, at least in Tarrant County, and in your profession as the, mm-hmm. the drug of choice, fair to say. And what, what, is, what is fentanyl exactly? What does it do? And how are people doing it? So it's a, a synthetic opioid where it would be similar to to heroin. Now, the problem is, is the the way people are consuming it, right? So we see it most commonly in um, counterfeit prescription pills, okay? Like your, your popular name brand counterfeit prescription pills. They look identical, but instead of being the actual ingredient for the prescription, it's fentanyl. So that's the most common way that we see it, but we also see it in a powdered form yeah. um, that's very lethal as well. And what do they do with the powder form? Mm, so in, usually- Inject the, it? No, so the powder form is used more most often as a um, as what we would call a cutting agent. Mm-hmm. So basically, if let's say you took um, an ounce of cocaine and you added, you know, an ounce of fentanyl or something like that, now you basically converted that to two ounces of cocaine, which is going to make the money go a little bit farther for the dealer. Is fentanyl cheaper than coke? Cane? Uh, um, you know that that's a good question. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Yeah. Um, do those guys, would you mix, like, isn't Coke kind of an upper and fentanyl a downer? Would you mix yeah. those together? I mean, is there, a, like, a great high with that? So I don't I don't know the reason, like, I don't know what the significance or, or why they're mixing it, because you're exactly right. Like, one's an upper, one's a downer, so I, I don't know. Yeah. You're no, yeah, you're close to the drug dealers, but not in the mind of them. Correct. <laughs> so how long have you been, on, been a narc? Um, I've been, a, so I've been a police officer for almost 22 years. Of that, I've been in narcotics as an investigator and as a supervisor for probably 14 of those years. So most wow. of my career. That's incredible. What yeah. what exactly is your role in a supervisor so, or a sergeant? So as a sergeant in narcotics, I supervise a team, um, a fair number of investigators. So basically my role is I oversee the operations, right, from the search warrants, my, I've got kind of the boring office job, honestly. I mean, I'm behind the computer most of the time reading reports, reading search warrants, things like that. I'm not necessarily out there now doing the undercover work. Um, you know, obviously through a significant portion of my career I was, but right now, no. Yeah, I, we noticed you brought some pictures of uh, yeah. the undercover stuff. Yeah. Can you explain some of them? Like what the, yeah. just the, kind of the scenario? So first one, obviously as an undercover officer, the goal is, is for nobody to know that you're a cop, right? So sometimes that's in your appearance. So I got the one where I've got the 7-Eleven outfit. Yeah. That was a good one. That worked out well. <laughs> now, with that being said, I know like you guys have had Tegan on here before, right? And, and yeah. like the guy who kind of wrote the book on like these big expansive undercover operations, super Hollywood, if you will. Most of the time, it's very street level stuff, right? That's yeah. what we're combat. That's what we're combating in Fort Worth, right? We want to get the ones that are creating those quality of life, life issues, if you will. So we're kind of going after some of the small time guys. So to do that, you know, you're going to have to basically um, get something to distract the person from like, I wonder if this guy's a cop. Well, if I'm wearing a 7-Eleven outfit, maybe that's what he thinks I work at. Who knows? Yeah. Right? So, oh, oh, so it's like, you don't even have to justify the 7-Eleven. It's just no, like no, yeah. more of a confusion tactic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah precisely. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, what about that one? This one's just pretty, this one, sadly, um, this is just kind of the generic day-to-day look that I had for many years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's very embarrassing, but yeah, that's it. Did you find yourself going out after work and things like that and being successful with the ladies or Uh -uh. anything like that? No, no. (laughs) The last one's the best. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the last one, this was, this is how a lot of people at the city know me because I had an obnoxiously large red beard. Oh yeah. Prior to beards being a cool thing or whatever. I'm probably like... What am I, 27 in that picture? I look like I'm 55, right? Yeah. Um, you look a little heavier there, There's too. no way that guy's uh, a cop in that picture. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people didn't think I was, yeah. so. Yeah. You, you, I think you look like you fit the part there. It yep. worked out well, yeah. So, I'm not a drug dealer, but I wouldn't 
picture you as a cop there? Well, it kind of backfired though. I mean, an obnoxiously large red beard after a while when everybody's like, dude with the red beard, right? So oh, then yeah. it kind of backfires a little bit. Right, right. So, yeah, you yeah. can only go so far with the undercover, right? Yeah. In a small town or, a, you know, like a reasonably sized town. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, you know, definitely something that we ran across. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you, your other picture there is a a whole lot of guns, right? A whole lot of guns, yeah. So tell about the gun show work that you've done. Um, so, okay, so a lot of cops work part-time jobs, right? I'll, yeah. I'll, there's kind of two elements where I've worked it. That's not starting from that. From, okay. But so this one originated, I believe this was somewhere around 10 years ago. And this gun trafficking at the time was significant. I, it, you know, it still exists, don't get me wrong, but yeah. it was a huge problem in the mid 2000, 2010, 2012 area. So this one started right here in Fort Worth where my partner Travis and I recovered. Mm, it was 10 or 15 AK-47s from a guy that had um, bad intentions with them in terms of smuggling them. Yeah. So the recovery of that, um, and this kind of gets off topic or into another topic, but the idea of somebody of an informant, a snitch, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. So um, basically... That led us to the recovery of the 10 here took us to San Antonio. Like kind of, this is kind of a Hollywood story. I mean, we get these 10 guns. Next thing you know, we're in a freaking minivan driving to San Antonio. The day of, right? The day of at like four o'clock in the morning, the front door of this like drug stash house, like cartel house is getting blown open and there's the rest of them in the house. So there's another 40 or 50 AR-15s and AK-47s in that house. So like I said, there's some Hollywood elements to it that are yeah. super crazy. And that's the one weird thing about, you know, about being a cop is I can be behind my computer, you know, reading a report or something like that. And next thing you, you never know what's in store, right? Like you never know what's going to come up. So, and it does happen where you may be in a vehicle going four hours south to another city uh, like immediately, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. It's not timed out like the uh-uh. Hollywood stuff no. where it's, and it's spaced it's out. It's never on good time either, right? It's yeah. never like, well, it's a good thing I don't have anything to do tonight. <laughs> yeah, right? kids are graduating time, middle so, school or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Jake, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I think maybe it's less time than that, there was a huge uh, $16 million meth bust. Uh-huh. Were you involved in this operation or can you tell us? And then how, what was going on in that? Is there a story you can share? So that one, you know, truthfully, I don't have a whole lot of facts on that. That was, um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Tarrant County. A lot that, of different organizations. Yeah, there was quite a few involved in that. Um, my team specifically didn't have any role in that. So I don't have a lot of backstory on that. Fair enough. Can you tell us maybe more about your, like a daily role of a narc officer, not use at the desk, you said, but what is yeah. it, what does a guy in, in the narcotics unit do? On a daily basis, generally speaking. Okay, so at the municipal level, like I said, we kind of address those quality of life issues, right? To where um, the most common thing we get, let's say we get 15 complaints of different drug houses a day in our unit. Okay. And most of the time, like I said, it's, it's going to be the neighbor calling or somebody down the street calling or a landlord calling, whatever the case may be that says, hey, there's something going on at this house. There's a lot of people coming and going. Um, I think they're selling drugs. Yeah. So what we do, I mean, we have some initial steps that we take to vet that information, verify that information. And then we use a couple different tactics to uh, investigate that if we think there's something to it. Right. So, um, you know, obviously you've got your Hollywood style stuff where the undercover officer goes up to the house and acts like a, you know, a drug buyer, a drug addict or whatever. Um, But our bread and butter uh, definitely comes with the use of our confidential informants, our snitches as they're yeah um affectionately known as i suppose um you know it's ironic because or it's it's interesting because society you know whether it be through popular culture media whatever the case may be everybody's like oh man i would never rat on anybody i'd never snitch on anybody there is no honor amongst thieves right the moment especially not facing jail time right especially not facing jail time right the moment somebody gets caught 99 times out of 100 one of the first things is like Hey, what do I need to do so I don't go to jail? Yeah. Right? And they're going to... Make sense. I mean, they'll turn in their mom, they'll turn in their brother, their family, their best friend. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, I don't... (laughs) Why do you look at me like that? I'd say even if we're not doing... You're looking at me like my parole officer does, Jake. Sorry, I apologize. (laughs) Um, 
hot zones in Tarrant County for drug problems. Wait, is hot zones like? Can he use that? Is that cop language? Like, no, I, don't not, know, I mean, it's not exclusively that. cop. It yeah. is copish. What are the hotbeds for drug activity in this in Tarrant County? <laughs> um, you know, every side of town basically is how. Like in the police department, we it's broken up into sides of town, right? And every side of town has a um, has small pockets where it's a problem. Yeah. What I don't want to do is say, you know, this neighborhood has a problem or this neighborhood has a problem, right? Because there is a, a, the one thing that happens with drugs, there's this idea or concept of of people being stigmatized or neighborhoods being stigmatized, right? And then once that happens, once that stigma is attached, it's hard to get rid of it, Yeah. right? So there's pockets. I mean, you know, you guys are from here. I mean, you know, what what you're going to hear, you know, is the bad you know the bad area the bad part of town those are the most common places i know where we get our stuff from i was wondering if you could tell us where other places might be no (laughs) yes (laughs) but but on a serious note though jake where where are drug where all these drugs these bad things like fentanyl and heroin where where is it coming from and how's it getting here so the i mean obviously the vast majority of it is smuggled um typically from the southern border, right? And that's that, that's just through our in, the intelligence that we get through the people that we talk to. Yeah. So that's where the, the vast majority, but again, drugs have kind of taken on a different role too, the way they come into, the way they come to Fort Worth. You take things, something like marijuana or the new edibles, the THC edibles, those kind of deals, right? Well, now all of a sudden, instead, historically 15 years ago, the vast majority of that was smuggled through the southern border to Fort Worth or to whatever its destination was. Yeah. Well, now when you look at the the things like marijuana, the THC edibles, those are shipped in just via the U.S. Postal Service, FedEx, whatever the case may be, yeah. to an address here in Fort Worth, right, to whoever's buying it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of changed a little bit um, and has created a whole nother slew of problems and issues. Well, uh, probably prioritizations, right? Like, it's like, is it really worth, I mean, we're talking about like this huge fentanyl bust and how can you appropriately justify when bordering states have something going on that's okay, but we don't, you, you know, it's like, Geez Louise, we have limited resources. Where do we put them? Yeah, so that's that's one thing right now that's kind of, that's a hard, that that's hard, right? Because the law says it's illegal, right? You know, marijuana even to this day is still illegal. Yeah. Is it that big of a deal? That's kind of a person, you know, I mean, it's an opinion-based deal, right? Some people think it's a big deal, some don't, whatever the case may be. It's still on the books as being illegal. But how is it enforced now, right? Yeah. Society's views on it has changed entirely, mm-hmm. right? To where it's, it's it's more or less accepted at this point. And fine, if it's accepted, it's accepted, then maybe get it off the out of the law books, right? Yeah. Because it creates the struggle. And it's creating a, like the marijuana stuff uh, specifically, what it's doing where there's this conflict of whether it's illegal, you know, is it illegal or is it illegal? It's creating violence is what it's doing. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden you have this ease of obtaining it through, you know, through the mail, through whatever your source is and, you know, one of the other states. And so you get you get these 19-year-old kids, these 20-year-old kids who are making a lot of money, right? They may make five, 10 grand a week. This is a cash business, obviously. Yeah. So what do you think a 19-year-old does who makes $10,000 a week in cash? Buys a bunch of Vineyard Vine shirts? No, no, they don't. <laughs> what they do is they get on every social media outlet that they can mm. and hold up stacks of money, right? Yeah. Like, uh, hey, right. Yeah. look how much money I'm making. This is awesome. Yeah. No, you've become the next victim, right? right. Like now you are now a target to be robbed. Going back to Narcos, yes. Uh, this recent season, not a spoiler alert at all. I believe it was the opening scene, if I'm not mistaken, where the three guys run into the house, to the drug house, and they immediately just start shooting the people inside the drug house. Right? Yeah. That's exactly how it happens. Yeah, it's like that, that in True Detective with Matthew McConaughey when they go thing. in there. It's just a robbery. Yeah. It's just a straight yep. up robbery. It's just you're robbing yep. for different stuff, right? Yeah. And, and, and so that's the unfortunate part, because at the end of the day, the one thing that I have learned, right, and, and my views on drugs, my views on laws are probably a little bit different than a lot of cops, right? Um, I don't know, maybe, um, I don't want to say more empathetic, but I have some empathy towards, you know, how people were raised and what they've gone through that's led them to 
unfortunately, sometime this crazy life, if you will. But yeah, you know, the the problem is like the 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 associated violence is the issue, right? I mean, there's I don't I don't have the answer to how to solve a drug problem, right? If I did, I probably wouldn't be sitting here, right? Yeah. Um, but what I do know is what we're doing, it doesn't work, right? I mean, how long have we been doing this since 1985? Is that what, like, the Reagan kind of yeah. war on drugs touch? Right? That's when yeah. the whole war starts. Look where we're at today. It's no better now. In fact, it could be worse now than it was then. And at what expense? Yeah. Right? I mean, and that's that's the unfortunate part. Like I said, that you know, like you go back to that concept of, of somebody being stigmatized. Mm-hmm. That's a real problem because what happens with that person? So let's say you have a 19-year-old kid who grew up in this hard environment, right? right? He grew up poor, she grew up poor, whatever the case may be. Well, you know, they still have to eat. They still have to provide for themselves. If they're a little bit older and they have kids, they still got to provide for their kids. Right. So their survival kicks in. People are going to do what, they, what they've seen or what they know how to do. Well, now all of a sudden, if you're that 19-year-old kid and you're like, well, hey, to make it, I'm going to sell cocaine. And yeah. let's say you get caught with an ounce of cocaine, 28 grams, not in the grand scheme of things, not that much, right? But it's enough. That's to, a lot to me, well, I would think. I mean, I, I don't do that, but I would 28 grams like. Yeah, it's a it's a, a sandwich bag a quarter of the way full. Right. Yeah. But here's what happens. So then you get this 19 year old kid. He gets convicted and let's say he goes to prison for eight years and he gets out and he's now 27 years old. Yeah. Now he's like, man, I don't want to go back to prison for eight years. I'm going to I'm going to do life right. I'm going to go get a job. Yeah. And then when they go get a job, guess what happens? They fill out the application and they get to the dreaded question. Convicted. Nope. Then what? Right? I think the question is is even simpler though, Jake, is you make ten thousand dollars a week and doing it on your own time, or you make fifteen bucks an hour maybe doing some, you know, menial job that, you know, it's not at your own terms. I mean, how do you convince a kid over here to that you should be doing this and not that? It's that's the problem, right? Yeah. So that's, I mean, there's, there, there obviously is a huge issue with that. Cause that, I mean, that is true. The one thing, um, you know, over the last two decades, I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people who've been yeah. in a lot of trouble. Yeah. The one, th- the vast majority of them, not all of them. I mean, don't get me wrong. There is evil in this world, right? There's evil right here in this city. There's no doubt about it, but the vast majority of them, when you talk to them, the one thing that they can't pay for the one thing that they can't buy is losing it, it, the way I always describe it to them. And I tell them exactly what you say, right? Like, Hey, you're not going to walk around with a pocket full of money, right? You're going to have financial struggles like most people in the U S have. Right. But the one thing that you don't have, you don't have to constantly look over your shoulder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you don't have that fear of being robbed. You don't have, have that fear of being apprehended or caught. Right. Right. I mean, there's a lot of value in that. Absolutely. Um, but I, with all that being said, though, some I, I sadly, I, I think some people are completely fine with going to prison. Right. Which makes no sense to me. Well, yeah. And we've talked before and like you almost have stated that some of them are so um, I don't know what the what's the word when you get real calloused from something, you know, like they're immune or that's just doesn't bother yeah. them anymore. Like it's like a game. It's just a simple cat and mouse. Like, I mean, yeah. a super high stakes cat and mouse. Yeah. But it's not like us thinking about it like, oh, my gosh, right. somebody could lose right. their life here. Somebody could go spend their life in prison. It's more like, yep, if the cops catch me, like it's a total game. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and that's the thing. I mean, if there's no fear of consequence, then what what's the motive motivating or driving force to to change? Yeah. Right? So I, I don't know. Like I said, I mean, it, it's it's unfortunate because I I don't know. I call it vilifying. I don't know if that's a word or not. Right. But you can't. I, I, I don't turn everybody I come across or, or have over the last two decades. I don't look at them like a villain. Like I said, don't get me wrong. Some of them are, are bad people. Some right, of them are evil. Right. But many of them, they're, they're just no trying different. to make a living, right? Yeah, they're no different. Yeah, and it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I see guys out and about in the city that that I've arrested or that I've known for 20 years. Right. Yeah. I mean, I worked in a very small area in this city. Right. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of dudes you know, some of those guys know me and they see me out in, in, you know, general public and it's nothing more than a head nod. Right. Yeah. I don't have fe- that. 
And this kind of leads into another topic. Fort Worth, though, is, in my opinion, different, right? This is a, a way different city. Yeah. Um, I've never worked anywhere else. As an adult, I've never lived anywhere else. Right. But what I do know is the things that I see on TV, which I rarely watch, but when I do, like all these controversies that you see are things that we typically don't have to deal with. And in a large part, that's because of the people who live here. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, I mean, you guys know as well as I do. I mean, there is nowhere else in this on this planet that I'd want to live, right? I mean, it's a, you know, the, the way the citizens treat the police in Fort Worth, it's got to be different than anywhere else, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I've never worked anywhere else, but I do know over what two decades of experiences has offered. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a cool, it's a cool thing. I mean, like, you know, if a cop walks into, you know, Railhead or whatever restaurant, nine times out of 10, they're going to go up and pay and they're going to get the, oh, hey, somebody else took over your meal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and again, it's, you know, it's that, it's those kinds of things. Or the other thing that happens every, you, it's almost like a, I don't want to say a celebrity, right? But when you, whenever you go in somewhere and you're in uniform, which I, I don't wear a uniform and I have it most of my career, but mm-hmm. when I do, whenever you walk in somewhere, it is constant thanks. Yeah. Right. right. Like, thank you for what you do. And, and cops list, you know, cops appreciate that. Right. Because it can, there are times where it can be thankless. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a really cool, um, well, and I think even our like government is very approachable, you know, I mean, even our city council and mayor and I mean, it seems that this is still a very communal community, if that makes sense. Like, like people, they do, they are approachable and walk and they do, they make time for one another. And I do agree that in other cities from what you see and and hear out there, it's, they've lost that, you know, somehow. And I think, so that kind of leads into another struggle though, a little bit, right? Because we've, I always say we've kind of lived life in a bubble here. Mm -hmm. You know, you see all these, you know, these, you know, uh, they could be legitimate, you know, bad things that police have done elsewhere or things that are perceived as bad. You know, like I said, I don't follow any of the, these national stories or anything like that because it's almost a little bit depressing, right? But, um, what happens is, is so now even here in Fort Worth, where we're not used to this kind of stuff, we have to start paying the price to a certain degree, yeah. whether that's changing the way we do things, right? Which has, has happened. And this is not a, you know, um, I'm, I'm trying to, th- I, I don't, I don't want to come across as negative, right? Because I mean, I still believe that we've got the best cops in the U.S. and, and yeah. You know, and and we do this in the best city in the U.S. 100 percent. But all of a sudden now we're you know, we're paying the price for things that have happened elsewhere and who ultimately who ultimately pays the price are the people who need us the most. Right. And that's the unfortunate part, because when we've had to shift our tactics so much to I, I mean, truthfully, they're not as effective. Right. And it's hard. I don't want to go like like too specific because there are you know, um, there are still some, there, there are still some dangerous things that the police do. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I, so I don't want to get like too specific, but we've had to change things so significantly, um, that personally, I think effectiveness has been lost and it's not for a lack of caring. It's not for, um, you know, some kind of protest amongst the police at all. Right. I mean, the cops here, still want to like are still super passionate yeah about doing this job but the cop across the u.s right now is super confused yeah right because it's like i'm just trying to do my job man like i don't want to you know like the the you know what's happened is the police are now judged on the scale of perfection and when you use perfection as the as the hard line like if it's not perfect you're in trouble well, guess what people do? They shut down. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. So I judge J-Dub that way a lot. Um, look, fair, at, look at the fellow. Fair. And he comes close, but we're never there. And I think that's why sometimes he doesn't bring his A game to the show. But oh. now that you've explained it, I understand yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're always <laughs> learning around here. Yes. So, Jake, back to back to narcotics. Yeah. <clears throat> Anywhere there's narcotics in this scale, there's the cartel. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you tell us about the cartel in this town, Tarrant County? If there's, what, I don't know what you can share, what you can't, but 
Um, they're they're operating here, correct? Yeah, I mean, it, they, they definitely have a presence here. Um, you know, they're. I don't think their role is inflated in the media, right? I mean, it's a for real problem. And um, again, something else that has changed with the way society was. Again, Fort Worth, we were always in this like kind of protected bubble. Yeah. Where, yeah, we've got cartel, but they're typically not, they're not overtly violent towards the police mm -hmm. and typically don't stray too much outside of their areas, if you will. Um, I don't think that's the case right now, right? I mean, I think the way um, 10 years ago, I would have sent an officer to a, a location, you know, to deal with the cartel and and had little had little concern with that. Sure. I don't, my concern now would not be, it would be a significant concern now. Now, is that because demand has increased presence of cartels you know or is it a combination of all those things that have kind of risen up no uh, so there i think there's a couple there's several things one you know we've this city has grown significantly in the last two decades and mm -hmm. even the last decade um which you know I don't know. We had it good for a long time where we were like the smallest big city in the U S right. And we weren't, didn't always have to deal with big city problems. Well, not so much the case now. Yeah. Right. So I don't know that I think demand has increased just simply because the population has increased. Mm -hmm. Right. That's obvious. Um, I think that, you know, um, I'm trying to think how to phrase this. So police work is, is, is unique, right? There's a, there's, concepts or elements where subject matter expertise is important. Yeah. And in a big city, it's really important, right? Because we, who else do we turn to, right? When we are the crime fighters in this town, we need to be the experts in every element of yeah. it. Well, I mean, you look at certain things like, oh, I don't know, like a retirement issue, right? When that retirement plan changes. Now, I get why, and I'm not bitter by it or whatever. I understand why, but there's unintended consequences that happen when things like that change. Right. Because what you have now, you have cops who are like, you know, if you're a 22 year old kid and you're like, hey, I'm gonna do this for the next 25 years, I'm gonna retire when I'm 47, presumably go work somewhere else afterwards. But to get that retirement to a point to where it's worthwhile, you now have to promote, right? You have to keep climbing the corporate ladder. Right to improve your your pension. Well, whereas before you didn't have to do that, right? You were able we had these we had these cops who were cops for like 30 years and they were very very good at what they did. And they became kind of experts in their community and know the players mm -hmm. yep. and things like that. Yeah, I didn't think about that change kind and of it, instigating and, and a change like that. The unfortunate thing is is it continues, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know, we're we're at this la I, I mean, I call it the last generation right to where we still got you know like i said i mean i can i can say this all day long i mean we've got the you know easily the best cops in the in the country and some of our units right you'd look at our homicide detectives our mm -hmm. swat our narc guys they're best in the business like if you kill somebody in fort worth right and the the most of those detectives that, that are there now they're so good you are going to get caught they're they're seldom is the who done it yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, they're and, and yeah. that's a craft that they've perfected. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but at some point, that's going to go away. The reason they're good is they have tenure. They're super passionate and motivated about what they do, and they can stay there for a very long time and still receive the same benefits. And still receive yeah. the same benefit. But that's yeah. not going to be the case for much longer. That's very interesting, Jake. Yeah. So, um, I once was told by a Fort Worth cop that, like meth. Walk is, the line is. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but that was your question. <laughs> that meth was like the root of all evil, right? Like, I mean, if like he he's, he kind of started to try to explain to me that like meth like kicks off so much violence, like it's crazy, the exponential uh, kind of thing. Is that is that accurate, nah. or is it now fentanyl or something like that? So I I don't necessarily buy into that. I mean, you know, there are. I mean, they're all bad, right? I mean, it, it's not, you know, I, th I think they all have their issues. They're all bad. I don't know that one is necessarily worse than another. Mm -hmm. Meth does bring about the 
unique meth look mm-hmm. that happens yeah right <laughs> which is incredible just it, it, it's crazy can and, you real quick describe what the meth look is uh typically the teeth are rotted out mm-hmm. um you have the sores everywhere and the the other thing like this table right here would be and i'll tell you why in a second this table right here would be like a like a meth addict's dream because every time you go into these houses where it's a meth user or meth dealer, it's drawers of random stuff. Like typically it's like, is there any reason you have 200 feet of coax cable (laughs) perfectly rolled up next to a VCR that you took apart five years ago and next to a sewing machine? Right? Like it's just this random, like I think I might have a Oh, you've talked about the teeth. Check (laughs) the randomness of stuff. Check. I believe I might have. Uh, I'll be calling you later, Jake. Thanks. It's at a different level. I trust have a me. Tip. So, but but in, in going back to your question, as far as one being worse than the other, no, I don't think so. I okay. mean, um, you know, there you look at uh, the destruction of crack cocaine. I mean, that was a, a legitimate. Um, you know, just is uh, crack still around? Do you still be um, like, yeah, it's still that around. Big? not, not at the level that it was. Yeah. Um, it, it really, really died off probably in the last seven, eight years. It seems like, um, what's bigger fentanyl, like the opioids or meth uh, or tide tide. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What's, I, my personal, what's opinion. the new, uh, we read about this. We asked you offline, but what's the thing called the drink, the new drug of choice for some of these idiots? Cause it's killing people, right? Or is it? Well, so, th- so the drink, not necessarily, that's just typically a promethazine with codeine cough syrup mixed with, you know, whatever kind of pop that one would drink. Right. Um, wait, like pop, you mean in soda? Yeah, like oh, I thought a minute, like give it a pop. That's like, Missouri coming yeah. out of me. I apologize. Yeah, I recognize right? that. Yeah, so, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so that that's that's very pop. It, there, you know, it, it's got a lot of popularity from, um, I guess, the entertainment world, if you will. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where it seems. Oh, seriously. I mean, there's, there's songs about it, right? Like, I mean, it's it's just crazy. There's they a just, lot of songs about this, a lot of drugs. Yeah, they just sip this drink all day long, and it gives gives them this continued high or something like that yeah that i think uh, what it does well i mean it's codeine so i think it's gonna like calm them down significantly if you will well now, they, sure with fentanyl i would imagine so no, this right is codeine this oh, okay. is this no, is a different one drink. this but it what it is funny because when that first came on i probably 15 20 years ago they used to drink it out of baby bottles wait the drink was like 20 years ago it's that old yeah, it's i been thought around this for a while no it's been i never heard of it it's been around for a while but they've changed it now that you know it's always in the styrofoam cup mm-hmm. mixed with yeah. oh serious yeah but the good thing is they got away from the baby bottle the baby bottle drove me nuts because you know i mean i'm a 23 year old kid basically like i i man i'm a cop now man i know everything right i'm driving yeah. around it yeah. i start pulling these cars over i'm like why are all these guys have baby bottles yeah. with <laughs> yeah they don't even have babies man that's crazy <laughs> then after a while i'm like you know, I learn. I'm like, oh, is man. it is it like red, like cough syrup color? Is that uh, what it it's is? Usually, uh, purple, mm-hmm. purple or green. Yeah, typically purple though. Yeah, wait, it's it's a cough syrup and what is else is it? It's, it's it's so it's a liquid form of promethazine with coating. Can it's you a, show us how to make it? Uh, no, <laughs> I'll show a, you later. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, Jake, um, on the screen behind you, you don't have to look. We showed us a picture of a, a bust when you have a yeah. bunch of automatic rifles. Um, do guns and drug drug culture coincide? Is that a, usually yeah. a normal thing? When you go on these these busts and during the course of your work, are you finding lots of scary, scary dr- uh, guns? Yeah, yeah. That That's one thing, um, you know, kind of what I touched on earlier, you know, the way we've had to change, like what we're doing, right? Because do I think there's an increase? 100%. Like, I mean, I, don't, I haven't done any kind of formal research into it, but yeah. I do have two decades of experience that tells me, mm, I think this might be getting a little bit worse, right? Yeah. In terms of the amount of firearms that we're recovering. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they definitely... What they, about amount of cash? Like, what's the most, the biggest amount of cash you've ever seized? And then um, is that increasing too? <sighs> Yeah, well, yes, kind of. Okay, so the biggest amount I've seen, um, 900,000. 
Oh, is that all? Okay, that's yeah. We're talking about big mounts. Oh, that Jay yeah, sorry, has that in his office. Yeah, over sorry, there. that's 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 the best. Um, <laughs> Are we talking yeah. st- just stacks of just rubber banded or wrapped, wrapped, bundled, and how and how bags. big of an area does something like like as big as this table? It, they had it in two big duffel bags, surprisingly. Uh, yeah. So I mean, and there's other times where you know, I mean, hundreds of thousands. I mean, so I've what's seen the that. other part of that? You were going to say that that's kind of a weird, like if that's on the increase, like the amount of. St- Drugs are on the increase and the money, or or so. Um, hmm. I think I got to phrase this without. I, like I said, I don't want to be negative. I I you know I know that the you know the police, and I'm only speaking for the guys that I know and the yeah. guys that I work with. Yeah. But the police here, you know, we know how to do the job, right? And we did very well for a very long time. Getting um, it before it got to levels like that. Yeah. And when the rules change, and I don't think anybody, nobody asked for the change as a whole, right? right? And I don't know that people are necessarily recognizing the consequence of the change. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, that is who pays the price. Well, the people who pay the price for the police having to having to change their tactics are the people who need the police the most, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and I want to be clear, I'm not talking about, you know, by, by no means, if, a, if there's a corrupt cop, I don't know a cop that wouldn't that wouldn't catch them themselves, right? Right, right. No good cop that I know wants to work with with somebody that's dirty. Yeah. Right. And you know, fortunately, that's not something we have to deal with really. I'm not saying that we haven't. I mean, we have. Yeah. I, mean, I had a almost four year run through internal affairs. So I mean, I saw my fair share of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when the when the rules have changed it's hard because this is the kind of stuff we want to get off the street yeah right um and we know the tactics that we have to use to get this off the street but when the tactics that we have to use we can't use them it makes it hard yeah yeah that's really interesting i've never i've talked to a lot of cops we have cops that are buddies yourself included never talked to a cop that would say that the cops don't protect other cops if the other other cop is the bad guy i mean that's really refreshing to hear i wouldn't i've never heard anybody say that Oh, yeah. I mean, and and that's the thing. I mean, that's that again, probably one of the reasons why I do not watch TV. Right. Because it's it's always super negative towards the cops. now, And it's like, uh, you know, I know a lot of cops (laughs) by trade, if you will. I know their families. I know them personally. Right. And I'm not going to, you know, throw out this blanket statement that this person's bad because of this and this, you know, I, I mean, everybody, you know, every cop that I know. Right. I mean, now I keep my circle small. Yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, it, it is a weird job because you can talk about it for days on end and it can consume you. So outside of work, I really don't hang out with too many cops. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, obviously talk to them, things like that. But, um, you know, the the idea of somebody tarnishing the effort that, that you know, I've put in or other good cops have put in, you know, we're not we're not going to sit there and tolerate it. Right. So if somebody's doing wrong, we're yeah. going to be the first ones to report it. Yeah. What's the worst thing you can call a cop? Cop, pig. What? What are some other uh, things? You, I, yeah. I, I have no bad words. For well, J Dub was he no, was no. running through some names. I don't want to repeat them <laughs> he, on air. He was not beforehand. Jake. <laughs> he was saying a lot of bad stuff about cops. That's, that's no, J W Wilson. That's not accurate. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it, J W. We love what you. It. We love what you guys do. You no, I'm kidding. I mean. Do you guys like? Has obviously. I mean, this is kind of a. I'm going somewhere that, you know, how do you deal with kind of where we are with stuff? Because I know you outside of here and I know that, you know, I know who you are. I know the uh, one thing that I really appreciated is the way you work, right? The way you work is I've seen people come up to you, some of those that you've busted and they have respect enough for you to give you the nod, right? Yeah. And I and I also know uh, the way that um, some folks get good intel and information is by having good relationships, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, how, I mean, how do we, can we get out of where we are, you know, and back to that kind of, you know, in a respectable, safe way, right? I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying. Um, I hope so, because yeah. I, I know, you know, what I've done and, and I'm not, you know, I don't. I don't want the, this to come across like I'm bragging, patting myself on the back. But I know what I've done, and it works, right? Yeah. Um, I know that um, the secret to it all is to treat people politely, right? Yeah. Treat people with respect. That's yeah. something we've always done here Do you in hear Fort that, Worth. Britain. Yeah. 
Take Treat people that. with respect and kindness. JW. Okay, back, back to you, Jake. God. Does that include like looking at your phone when I'm in the middle of a conversation with someone? Um, back to you, Jake. <laughs> Thanks. See. Thanks. Um, could you talk about, if you're able to, um, yeah. any of your real successful um, busts, uh, some of the jobs you've been involved with back in the day, maybe when you're in the, on the field that were... Yeah. Yeah, we had a guest on here who lost a, like a, some kind of cooking device. Uh, like a large smoker. Are you familiar with that? Oh, the, the, yes. the smoker. He's a friend of the show, Jake. A friend of the show. So. Mr. John Bonnell. <laughs> That's, um, again, going back to that idea. We love him. We're trying to get free food from him. <laughs> <laughs> going back to that idea of when you, um, you know, I, when, when you don't look at everybody um, as a villain, right? People who don't look like me, people yeah. who haven't lived the same life as me, if I don't view them as a villain... Right. And I'm not talking to them any differently, any different than I'm talking to yeah. you guys. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the the one thing I always say is like, I mean, I could easily with a lot of these dudes that I've arrested, we could be at the bar drinking a beer and talking about everything but that stuff. And it's going to the conversation is going to be flowing. Yeah. Right? So we, we go back to that smoker story. Well, um, it again, going back to the idea of sometimes things just take weird turns throughout the day of a cop. Right. Yeah. I am at my desk, reading, typing, eating a donut. Uh, is that bad to ask? I mean, are donuts uh, part of the? I knew through that. I knew he would Just go move, there. I knew move he would on through that. there. Or, or is it maybe a Danish or a, you know a eclair? I'm Here sorry, Jake. Uh, that's I'm, try, I'm used to it. <laughs> okay, right. keep going. I'm used to it. So, uh, sit doing whatever mundane task at my desk. My phone rings and it's a detective that works over on this side of town. He said, hey, do you, I'm not, I won't throw out names, but he goes, hey, do you know such and such? And he gives me the name. I said, yeah, I know him. He's like, well, I think uh, he may know the whereabouts of this smoker that got stolen from Bonnell's. And I had seen it on Facebook like the week before, a few yeah. days before, whatever it was. I was like, really? And I was like, okay. I was like, well, let me make some calls. Let me see what I can come up with. And, you know, again, the dynamics, the, there's not one I don't want to call them a criminal or a bad guy because they're not. But for the sake of this, of, of being concise, there's not um, one criminal that I talk to that's going to admit that they talk to me. Right. Right. Even though they'll call me and they'll feed me little <laughs> tidbits of information, mm -hmm. things like that. So yeah. I make a call and say, hey, um, you know anything about this uh, smoker that got stolen? Yeah. Immediately, the defense mechanisms come up. No. And I'm like... <laughs> Come on, man. I was like, shoot me straight. All right. It's like a 300 pound device, man. It was drag It was, it was big. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so eventually he or she is like, yeah, where you at? I was like, I'm at the store and they knew the store that I was talking about yeah. and I'm in the parking lot and phone etiquette amongst drug dealers or the criminal elements sometimes is not the greatest. It's, usually super aggressive, hmm. even though they don't mean to be aggressive. Yeah. And it's very ambiguous. Like this guy, he yells at me, where are you at? I'm at the store. He yells back, I'll be there and hangs up. So I'm like, well, what store? Does that mean you'll be here in five minutes or <laughs> five hours? Like, and they call back and it just goes straight to voicemail, whatever. So yeah. <laughs> 10 minutes later, this car comes pulling in the parking lot. It's the guy that I know. He's waving his hand. He's like, come on, follow me. I'm by myself. Yeah. And I'm just like this. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, well, can you, where are we going? He's like, come on, just follow me. And I'm like, now here's the cool thing. Like some of these dudes I've known for 20 years or longer. Yeah. Right. So am I concerned that he's going to take me to this back alley and assassinate me? No, not at all. But it's still a little bit like. Sure. Uh, you got a radio with you? No. No. It's still a little bit uncomfortable. So he stops real quick. And he's like, wait, you got in the car with him? No, I'm following. Okay, him. phew. So he stops. Try to follow along. Sorry. Man. Yes. And he's like, hey, do you want me to get my trailer? And I was like, no. I was like, I can get a truck down here. He's like, no, I can go get my trailer if you need. And I'm like, no, I'll get a truck. Because how? then how are we going to get it back to Bon Els, right? It's going to look super <laughs> weird. Yeah. So They might incriminate you yes. with your trailer. Yeah. So we go <laughs> drive in the back streets of this neighborhood, and we pull up to this house. No joke. I mean, the windows have plywood on them. It's a vacant house. 
He or she jumps out of the car. Come on, follow me. I'm like, here we go. Part of town, Jake. That's pretty close. (laughs) And uh, I know that place. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, exactly. So we walk to the backyard and under this gigantic blue tarp is the smoker. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. It's like, how am I going to? I was like, this thing's like 500 pounds. Now what? Yeah. I'm like, well, I can call a bunch of cops. We can just carry it over. Next thing I know, I... I'm going out to the front yard to my car, like to get my phone or whatever, maybe my radio, I can't remember. And like three dudes pull up. They're like, what's up, you need help with it? And I'm like, well, kind of, <laughs> like, I can't get it. <laughs> yeah, right. So three dudes, four dudes from the neighborhood. We load it up, we get a truck. In the, oh yeah, in the truck. We put yeah. it in the back of, a, we get a, a cop truck over there, put it in the back of the truck and drive it down to Bonnell's. So I tell the guy, I was like, hey, I, you know, you, I know what you do. You know what I do. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, we're never finding this thing in the back of some abandoned house in the middle of the neighborhood covered up under a blue tarp. Yeah. Um, how about a couple hundred bucks, like a reward money for him? Yeah. Like, uh, I was like, man, come on. I was like a couple, I mean, that's the least I could do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I tell him the story. Cause if you remember, this is like at the beginning of oh, the yeah. pandemic, yep. man. And he's doing where he's doing those family meals. Oh yeah. Like just lines down the street, like doing some phenomenal things in these times we've never experienced yeah. before in our life. Yeah. And I explained that to this guy. I said, Hey, look, I, you know, this is where it came from. And, and some of those dudes, they, I mean, they go up, drive these streets just like we do. So he knew. And I was like, you know, what what he's doing it, it's not about just owning a restaurant right i mean it's going above and beyond it's yeah. kind of doing it the fort worth way yep which we're all accustomed to and even he um he or she replies with the fort worth way of like no nah, don't worry about it just you know and he even is like complimentary yeah like towards john bonnell like man it's pretty cool what he's doing man i was like all right so we took it down there and there's there you that, go. That's and that. you arrested the guy, I know, or somebody did. He got he went so to the, one of so the one who actually took it, yes, uh, was arrested. Um, now there's a backstory of how it ended up where it ended up, and you know my logic on that because the police one of the greatest tools that we have is this idea of discretion, right? We don't have to arrest everybody we come across. You don't say. I I don't. I, I am saying we don't. That's have to. not what they told me five times. <laughs> well, I don't know the circumstance that I don't even want to know. Um, but we have this awesome tool called discretion to where we don't have to arrest everybody we come across. And sometimes we reach a compromise. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, un, under those circumstances, pretty fair compromise. He got it back. And, you know, the ultimately the one responsible, you know, was was charged. And it's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask one more question? Yeah, please. I mean, I think that's a great story. Story. That's a great story because Thanks we have for con- asking me we, though. We have Thanks context. for asking me You're that. You're welcome. I'm just trying to be a good host. <laughs> uh, scariest situation you've ever been in, if you can share. Yeah. So uh, I guess I probably anticipated this question. I think <laughs> cops have a um, skewed view of fear, maybe, especially. I mean, I've always been like, <laughs> you the, think I mean, amygdala minus Jake. Yeah. May, you know, just a little bit off. So I, and, and I've for minus a four year run as a detective, I've been in the field my whole career. Right. And I always, in a weird way, I mean, it's sometimes the fun stuff, the scary stuff is the fun stuff. Um, so it's, it's hard to say, you know, honestly, it's hard to say, I mean, have I been there in a shootout? Yeah. Have I seen, you know, I mean, I've, you know, uh, like, and it's, I mean, I've seen a cop get shot, right? I mean, like, so there's these weird, um, weird things where at the time though, the fear factor really didn't kick in because, you know, I mean, but it's always been, I mean, I've always worked in that team environment. So it's typically always a team of us there. Right. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. That's a hard one. I mean, um, I, I mean, I, nothing stands out like that I can remember, but, that may also be a defense mechanism. What does it feel like to just quickly? What does it feel like to be in a shootout? Is that the so, most unbelievable situation? Now, now think for me, I've never once fired my gun in the line of duty. It's awesome. And hopefully over the next, you know, not too much longer, I can make it through and right. then I'm riding off on the sunset. Right. But um, it, it's weird because um, the times that I have seen it, um, you would think, you know, if I fired a gun off right here, right now, it's going to be loud. Yeah. Right? Our ears are ringing. Especially with the mics and the headphones. Yes, exactly. It's amplified. <laughs> but in the, in, in the middle of it, you don't hear it. No. 
It's the weirdest thing. Like, because your body protects itself, right? Mm-hmm. And and so you, like this dump of adrenaline happens and your your body protects itself to where, um, you know, you're not hearing the gunshots and, and like you start to see things and your vision does kind of open up, right? To where, you know, it starts like looking through a pinhole and then as that adrenaline wears off, you kind of start getting your periphery back. Or Seriously? Peripheral. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But seeing that's forget fentanyl. Now that's the other thing though. Like it depends on the cop, right? Like you take our SWAT guys or guys that have worked in SWAT before, like they're cooler than the other side of the pillow, no matter how dangerous something is. I'm mm-hmm. like kind of envious, man. Like you guys are super brave. I don't know that I have, you know, like, yeah. I mean, not, not all cops are the same. Yeah. Right? I mean, these guys are like some of the, the things and it's, it's always weird when you know the person. Yeah, right? like I'll give you kind of a, a story in this one. It, you know, these are all these like these weird stories that stick out. And a couple of years ago, there was a hostage issue in Fort Worth. The guy had um, he was shooting at the cops like oh, yeah. the, at the Bearcat, that armored vehicle. And they devised a plan. And, you know, every cop that's not in SWAT's like pretty envious. I'm not going to lie. Right. Yeah. They're like they're How all like get in the, there. They're all like the varsity of the department. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's what they are. Yeah. They're all like the star quarterbacks, if you will. And uh, one that's, of my buddies. That's football, Britain. Yeah. That's, I'd be in SWAT. Mm-hmm. I'd be delivering donuts to was, SWAT. I thought he was describing you for a second. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Internal no, affairs. Here's your, here's your donuts, gentlemen. <laughs> so this, so in the middle of this, you know, I mean, all cops are like, man, I'm going to tune in. So we all have the radio. We're listening to this event. Yeah. That's super high stakes, right? I mean, yeah. this guy's shooting at the cops. There's hostages. And then you hear your buddy on the radio, like my buddy. Yeah. And he's at the door and he's devising this plan. And he's like, we're going in and they have their ways of doing things to where we know what was going on. I'm like, man, this is weird. Like I know I've known this guy for 20 years. I know his wife and I know his kids. And he literally is about to run into an apartment where a dude is shooting at the cops. Right. Yeah. Like, but they're the last line of defense. And it, and, and, you know, um, I don't, I don't know the, the end of it necessarily, but, um, I don't, I don't know the full story of the end of it, so I don't want to speak too much on that. But, you know, just hearing, like, your buddies, like, going into these, like, incredibly dangerous situations. Yeah. But still always super cool. Like, yeah, I'm not going to sound freaked out. So it's always cool guy voice on the radio. You yeah. Know? But, it, you know, it's just that weird, mm-hmm. like, kind you, of uncomfortable You can hear probably sometimes, though, that little bit of the shake. Like, I mean, there's... Oh, so that's a that's kind of a that's a funny story because they're calling the shaky jakey like no. the shake jake or no, something no 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 no. you have to take your you've got to take a couple deep breaths before because if you don't if you're the cop that freaks out on the radio you are going to hear it for a very long time yeah because we work in a very i don't know if you guys know this or not super ruthless environment oh mm-hmm. yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah like everybody like yeah. there is nothing off limit you know i mean obviously family's off limits and things like that but if you screw up and you've got the excited voice or the shake in your voice yeah you're gonna hear it for such a long time to the point where you're gonna you know, earn a nickname or something oh, is yeah. there, are oh, yeah. there situations like with the chief where it's or like the head guy where it's like you're off the case like the shows and stuff i mean does any of that drama happen back at the hq no like no, what you no, know you know no. like why you're off the, well, I, I said your last name but i, I guess it's what, okay yeah, we introduced think, yeah uh like you're off the case we're putting you know somebody else on but it doesn't i, w- that's I wish kind it of did dramatic. like i wish yeah. i could be on the receiving oh, end of that i was just thinking we should put the hill street blues i don't think he's uh, done something on. to elicit that kind of uh, uh redirection yes. yeah right 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 uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I haven't. Well, okay. uh, but no, it would be funny. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jake, we are grateful yeah, you came here today. You're sure. a good thank dude. You. You're thank a you. good cop. We appreciate what you do for the city. We thanks. know there's lots of good cops out there. Thank you for what you do for us, man. I appreciate you. And you can follow us on Fortitude FW if you want to keep best checking us out. Best day of life. No family. Uh, best day. Of, what's the best day? You know, we ask this uh, at the oh, end of do. it. Yeah. No family? No family stuff. Yeah. Yeah, why did I've that, I've listened to every getting that smoker he's, he's back, stalling, man. He's stalling. That no, I've listened to back. every one of these, and I forgot you were going to ask me that question. I would have had a really well thought out response. I, I think don't that uh, this picture depicts the best day of his life, <laughs> yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, maybe. 
Come on, uh, I can't okay. answer for you. Okay, best day of my Oh, man. I mean, I'll keep it cop-related, a little bit humorous. <laughs> One of the funniest days of my life was when I actually shaved this beard off. We were inside of 7-Eleven with my wife. We're younger at the time, right? Yeah. No kids. So we we were doing all the, the fun stuff and, you know. Shaving in a 7-Eleven? Nope, not shaving in a 7-Eleven. <laughs> I'm standing in line with my hands are full. And I hear this voice, hey, hey. And I turn around. And it's a guy that's clearly homeless. And I turn around and he's like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, is he talking to me? So I turn back around, not paying any attention to it. And he yells, hey, again, I turn around. I'm like, are you talking to me? He's like, what have you been up to, man? I haven't seen you in a while. My wife's like, what the? I'm like, I have no clue who that is. And she's like, he thinks he knows you. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, she's like, that beard is gone now. Oh, that's because, oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah okay, perfect. Gotcha. Perfect. Beard was perfect. Gone, so. Yeah yeah yeah. That, that's it. Jay Quiet, love you, man. Thank Thanks, you very guys, much, brother. Thank you.